So would you pray with me over the message this morning? Lord, let this be your word. God, you know there's so many good things to say. There's so many things that sound good. And Lord, we know that you are a God of clarity. And so, Lord, would you speak exactly what you brought people here to hear this morning? Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint my words, that I represent who you are accurately, and that we're changed by your word this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we're starting in a new place of scripture today. I'm going to move this over here, I think. And we did the Beatitudes. I know that was a smaller part of scripture, but it just felt right with it being kind of towards the end of summer, going into fall to do something that was a little more zeroed in. And now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you guys have heard of the fruit of the Spirit before, right? Okay, it's pretty good. And I know even as we were kind of going through Colossians, I talked about the fruit of the Spirit a couple times, but then I thought, have we really learned what it is? Because I remember I grew up going to Sunday school. Anyone grow up going to Sunday school? We got a few of us. I was always good at memorizing. In fact, to this day, I could still tell you the books of the Bible in like 12 seconds. I like won a lot of prizes as a kid by saying the books of the Bible really fast. And so I could always tell you what the fruit of the Spirit were. I could, I could rattle them off. But it wasn't until I was an adult that I really did a study on it and realized just knowing the words wasn't that important. There's a lot deeper that I had to go before I truly understood what this scripture was trying to get us to understand. And so we're going to take our time and we're going to go through this word by word over the next many weeks to really understand what are we supposed to be getting out of this, this scripture in Galatians. And hopefully you guys have heard this before, but as I alluded to before, this idea of fruit is so important for us to grasp because oftentimes when we look at our lives and, and, and we look at, okay, I don't want to sin anymore. I, I, want to, I want to be changed. I want to be righteous. We view it in terms of like willpower and just really trying. And I'm not saying that willpower isn't involved. You're going to have to be disciplined. But the Bible talks so much about how the process is very much like a plant growing fruit. It's something that grows out of us, and we need to understand what that means and why is that so important. So I'm going to start by just reading the main couple verses that we're going to be on for the next several weeks. And this is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I just gave you my sermons for the next nine weeks. If you guys are wondering, you know exactly what we're going to be talking about. But why is it so important to look at fruit? Why is this word fruit so important in the Bible? Because do you know that the Bible actually talks a lot about this? In fact, oftentimes we think of, of Jesus as the good shepherd, and he does talk about himself that way, but that tends to be how we always view Jesus, and that's True, he does say that, but do you know that even more than referring to himself as a shepherd, he refers to himself more as a gardener. 
And for us, we are referred to as sheep, but even more in the Bible, we're referred to as plants. And, and we have to get our heads wrapped around this because this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Here's what's so important about fruit is that you can't fake it, at least not for a long time. You can fake it for a little bit, right? If I have a tree outside that is not an apple tree, maybe I can go get some styrofoam balls and, and staple them to the branches and take some paint and paint them red, and maybe I can fool a little, a few people for a short amount of time. But eventually... It's going to rain, and the wind is going to blow, and the paint is going to get washed off, and those styrofoam balls are going to get blown away, and that tree is eventually going to be shown for what it is. And this is why it's so important for us to, in our own lives, look for fruit. Because oftentimes, if we're being honest, we are way too focused on how we feel, right? Amen? We're way too focused on our emotions, and we judge our, our life. We judge where our faith is at. We judge our own growth based on, do I feel closer to God? Do I feel good about life? When, when I come to church, do I feel God's presence? Now, all of those are good things, but those are things that you can't rely on. Those of you who have lived life for a little while, can you rely on your emotions to tell you the truth? No, your emotions lie to you all the time. And that's where a lot of us get, get really discouraged. Like, I'm not going anywhere because my emotions tell me I haven't grown. My emotions tell me I haven't gotten closer to God. My emotions tell me this. And, and Jesus says, don't. Don't look to your emotions. Look to your fruit, because your fruit will tell you the reality of where you're at. And even in our own lives, there's been times in my life where I just haven't felt it where my emotions just haven't been there, where I'm like, man, I don't feel that close to God. And when I pray, I don't feel amazing. And, and my emotions, if I was judging my faith on that, I would think I'm farther away from God than I've ever been. But when I look to the fruit in my life, I go, but there's so much fruit that maybe there's more going on and my emotions just aren't where they need to be right now. But I can look to the fruit as proof. And that's the first thing you need to understand is the proof is in the fruit in your life. Because the enemy is going to try to play on your emotions, get you discouraged, tell you that nothing's going on, you're not growing, nothing's getting better. But emotions aren't proof. Fruit is a tangible proof of what's growing out of you. And I will, I will tell you, if you're going to be a Christian for the rest of your life, you are going to need something tangible to look to, to say, no, I am where I need to be. And it's your fruit. And that's why this is so important for us to know, is there's tangible things that should be growing out of our life to give us that, that place to go, I know that even though my emotions aren't where I want them to be right now, even though I've had a bad week, I know some of you guys have bad weeks. I'm not the only one, right, who has a bad week. But I can look and say, but I have fruit in my life. And so I can weather this storm as I move forward. And so we need to look at this seriously as a way for us to have some stability in our faith to really understand, am I growing? Am I, am I getting closer to who Jesus is? 
The proof of that is in the fruit. But the next thing you have to understand is that bearing fruit is a process. Those of you who grow have a garden, right, or do any farming, bearing fruit is a process that takes some time. There's multiple steps to it, right? I know, Les, you said that this year our tomatoes aren't doing great, right? Anyone doing good with tomatoes this year? Okay, we have a couple. I'm guessing that that was a process, right? I'm guessing the first year you did it, it wasn't perfect. And you had to kind of learn what it needed, what needed to change, where to plant it, how much sun it should get, how much water it should get. There's a process. And this is before, um, actually after the fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, this is what it says. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, it's a process of growing fruit is, is staying in step with the Spirit. Now, here's where I, I got to get a little theological with you guys, all right? So we put on our theological hats this morning, okay? So basically, when we were sinners, when we didn't know who Jesus was, we had our sinful nature, our flesh, right? And our flesh did whatever it wanted. And it was actually a slave to sin. That's what, that's what the Bible tells us, is that we were slaves to sin. Sin was all we knew. That was all we could do. We had no hope of anything else because that's all our flesh knows to do. That's why we call it a sinful nature, is that sin is natural. Our flesh will always pull us towards that. And we were slaves. If we receive Jesus as our Savior, what happens, the Bible says, is that his spirit lives in us. That word spirit is like the living essence of God. It's, it's the breath. It's the, the thing that God breathed into the dirt that made Adam alive. That spirit of God now dwells in us. Can we just stop and think, how ridiculous is that? Have you thought about that recently? That the spirit of God, the living breath of God, lives in you if you've, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. But now the Bible says what happens is, the spirit and the flesh inside of you are at war with each other. That's why sometimes you can't trust your emotions because you're like, well, I accepted you, Jesus, and I'm trying to, to live by your spirit, but it always feels like there's a war going on in me. It's like that's what the Bible says is going to happen because your flesh wants what's contrary to the spirit of God, and they're fighting each other. And so what we have to understand is there's certain fruit that grows out of our life when we listen to the Spirit of God. And there's certain fruit that grows out of our life when we listen to our flesh because they want the opposite of each other. And so, and I didn't plan this, but I just want to give you a side note. Today, if you are down on yourself because it feels like you're at war inside of you, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means that you're giving the Spirit of God a chance. You, at one point in your life, sin was all you knew. You were a slave to it. And now the Spirit of God is fighting that. And so just because you feel that turmoil doesn't mean that you need to be shameful. That means that there's a, there's a good battle going on in you. And that's what Paul says. They're waging war with each other. Now the question is, which one is winning? How do you know which one is winning? By the fruit. That's what the Bible says. That's why it's so important for us to look at this and to stay in step with the Spirit of God that lives in us. And today we're starting with love. 
Why do you think we have to start with love? Because ultimately, without love, the Bible tells us, everything is meaningless. I'm going to bring you to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love chapter. And this is what verse 1 says. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And I know I've given this example before, but I used to play in a band and we didn't have nice drums like we have up here. We had very, very loud drums and I was the bass player. So I was always back by the drums. And if any of you have heard someone hit a cymbal real loud when you're not expecting it, it is unpleasant. I'll just tell you that. In fact, I'm pretty sure I have permanent hearing loss because that's half of our conversations in our house is me going, what? Because I can't hear anything. Yes. Yep. And the Bible says, without love, even if you say the most beautiful, profound thing, and you're theologically correct, and, and you're all right, without love, if you don't have love, that's what that is. You might as well be hitting a symbol in someone's ear. That's how meaningless everything is without love. And what you have to understand is, you can, you can have all of the other fruit, and if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. You can be the most kind, the most gentle. You can have all of that. But if it's done without love, you might as well have not done it at all because it's meaningless if you don't have it. And that's where love has to be the first step in our life. Because if you look at it, one thing that I realized when I started to go through this is that we like to pick and choose what fruit we're going to work on, right? And I've been guilty of this. I look at it and I go, you know what? I want some patience. God, give me patience right now, right? That's, that's a joke. But I, some of us are like, give me patience right now. But we don't understand that, that these are actually in order. It says, stay in step with the Spirit. Are you going to have patience without love? No. Because love is what gives you the opportunity to have patience. And even if you look at it, if you love, if you have love, then you have the opportunity to have joy. You're not going to have joy without love. That's not possible. Are you going to have peace without joy, without love? No. Are you going to have patience without peace? Or and so you have to understand that as much as we like to skip around and go, I want some of this, that's not really what it's saying. It's saying that you're staying in step. There's kind of an order to this, and it has to start with love. Without love, even if you get the rest of this list perfect, it's not going to mean anything. And this is, this, this definition of love is, is the word agape. You guys have probably heard the word agape, right? It, it means a perfect love, a selfless love, a love that doesn't demand anything back, that gives sacrificially of itself. It's a love that's kind of impossible for us without Jesus. It's a love that this world doesn't show. It's an impossible love. Love. And that's why you might be like, oh, love's easy. I got that down. I don't know. I don't know if we have this love down that just gives of itself. And that's why we talk today. Of, the Bible says that greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life. It has to be sacrificial. It has to be selfless. It's not thinking of itself. And I wonder how many of us would truly be like, yeah, my, I got all sorts of that. Because I don't know if I would even raise my hand. Of like, yeah, every day I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I am just sacrificially going to love today. I'm going to think of nothing of myself. I'm just going to give, give, give. 
I would be like, "Eh, I don't know if I'm there yet. I think I still have a way to go. That's the love. And that, but that's the thing that we can look at our life and go, if that kind of love is growing out of our life, then that means we're probably listening to the Spirit of God and we're probably giving the Spirit of God control in our life because our flesh cannot create that kind of love. It can't do it. That's, that's not what our flesh knows. Our flesh only knows love that says, I will give to you if you give back to me, right? That's what our whole world knows, is I, I, will, I enjoy this relationship or this exchange because I get something from it, because I deem this as a good deal for myself. That is not agape love. Agape love is like, I give. I give, I sacrifice for the good of someone else. But this is where I have found, when I started doing a study of this, it's hard for me to go, all right, what area of my life do I love and do I not love? Because it's, it's hard to think through that. But did you guys know that right in this same part of Scripture where it lists the fruit of the Spirit, so if the Spirit of God that is living in me gets control, this is the fruit that grows out of my life. It also says this is the fruit of your flesh. It actually gives a list of if your flesh is in control— If your sinful nature gets to call the shots, if that's what's winning the battle, here's the fruit that's going to grow out of your life as well. So this is Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. It says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, or factions. So we have this list of, here's the fruit that's going to grow out of your life if your flesh gets to call the shots. Now again, don't, don't raise your hands, but I think for a lot of us, if we were to say, well, what has more fruit? Which of these lists is my life producing fruit? Some of us might be a little uncomfortable with what we see. But what I started doing when I did this study is I said, okay, what is the opposite? What's the opposite of love? And if you look here, the opposite of love is going to be selfish ambition. That's the fruit of the flesh that fights. Because agape love, the the whole core of it is selflessness, sacrifice, putting someone above you. Selfish ambition is the exact opposite. Selfish ambition says, what's what's in it for me? How do I get what I want? How do, I, how do I turn this situation so that I end up on top? And that's ultimately right here, right at the start. That's going to determine the rest of how this all goes. Is when you go to do something, are you doing it simply to love, for, for the good of someone else, to put someone else before you, to sacrifice? Or are you doing things and you want it to look like you're loving, but in your heart you're going, I'm, I want to turn this to my favor. I'm going to see if I can manipulate this to get the most out of it that I possibly can. Because I'm going to tell you, that's not the Spirit of God. That's your flesh. That's, that's how your flesh thinks. How do I turn this to my favor? How do I get this to work out for me? How do I get what I want? What about me, right? And it's hard because this is the world that we live in. We live in a world that this is how we're taught to think. Make sure you get what you need. No one else is going to take care of you, so you better get what you need. But this is our flesh. 
And so what we have to start doing is if you, if you want to be serious about, I want the Spirit of God to be winning. I want the Spirit that lives in me to be in control. I would ask, where are the areas of your life where selfish ambition is still the fruit that's coming out? And this is hard because only you know that. Because this is one of those things that we can kind of turn and make it look like love. But deep down, we know our motives. We know what's going on. We know that we are much more worried about getting what we want than the good of someone else. Because the Bible actually says in Philippians, I don't have it up there, but it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's a hard, that's a hard scripture to, to receive. In the, in the day and age that we live in, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do everything for the good of those who are around you. Does that seem natural to our flesh? No. The only way we're going to do that is if the Spirit of God is in control and living in us. And I would say the place where you still have a lot of selfishness in your life is probably a place where you need to truly receive God's love. Because this is what I really want to make sure I speak out to you guys. Is This is not the fruit of your willpower. This is not the fruit of your intelligence. This is not the fruit of your theology. This is the fruit of the Spirit. The only way that we get this is by truly receiving from God. This is a love that we cannot just create within ourselves. We must receive this perfect love from God before we can give it away. We looked at it last week, maybe two weeks ago. This idea of freely you have received, freely give. This love is perfect. And we must receive this love before we can give it away. And oftentimes what I have found is, is the areas where we are struggling to truly love are the areas where we are struggling to truly receive. What does the Bible say? The Bible says we love because he first loved us. That's, that's biblical. It's one of the first verses I ever learned is you have to receive a perfect love before you can give a perfect love. And at the end of the day, I, I am, I'm so convinced that the scripture tells us that anything you struggle to give, it's not that, well, you need to learn how to create it better. It's you have not received it yet. If you struggle to forgive, you have probably struggled to truly receive forgiveness from God. Because those who have truly received forgiveness, they, they can give it because they have it. And if it's mercy, if it's grace, if it's joy, if it's peace, anything you struggle to give away is probably something that you have struggled to freely receive, that you're kind of trying to prove. And so today, if you're someone that goes, man, I don't know if my life has this sacrificial love. And I'm understanding that without this sacrificial love, Nothing else I do matters, so I, I want to I do something with this. I know there's a lot of selfishness in my life. I know that even when I do something that seems good, I know in my heart I'm doing it because I think I can get something from it or I can manipulate it to get what I want. Today, rather than just trying to 
try harder, which yes, you're going to need discipline and all of those things, but it has to start with you just receiving a perfect love from God, understanding that this love that God gives is perfect, is sacrificial. That's why we take communion to remember that God doesn't give us grace because we earned it. He gives us grace because he, that's who he is. He has perfect love for us. Because at the end of the day, fruit doesn't show what you want. Fruit shows what you have. Whatever is in you will grow out of you. And so you must receive before you can give. You must have before it grows out. It's kind of one of those things where fruit is just kind of what spills out of your life. And whatever you fill a cup with is what's going to spill out of it. And so I feel like we as Christians spend so much of our time trying to control what spills out of our life versus control what's in our life and trust that that's what's going to spill out when it's time. And so that's where today, if you're, if you're feeling convicted, like, I don't know if I love, I don't know if I have this fruit growing out of my life, I encourage you even today, even as we, we take some time to pray, that you just receive the love that God has for you. Because the more full of God's love you have, the more God's love will spill out of your life. Because that's just very basic, I don't know, it's not geometry, physics. Yeah, physics. Whatever you're full of will spill. And that's what fruit is. And so if you'll stand, I want to pray over you guys today. Lord, I pray right now that every single person here can truly receive your love for them. Lord, and that they can view and perceive your love as it is, which is perfect sacrificial, not needing to get anything out of it, not trying to manipulate the situation, simply giving of itself for our good. Lord, and I, and I pray that for each of us today, we can truly comprehend that, that the God of the universe loves us with a perfect love. Not a, I will love you if, not a, I will love you, but you better, but a true sacrificial love. And Lord, that we would understand, yes, we do change because of your love, but we do not change to earn it, Lord. We don't, we don't change so that way your love is twisted into some sort of selfish thing in our life because your love is perfect, because your love is selfless. That's why we change. And God, I pray that, that right now, we are just overflowed with that, Lord. And that we have that kind of love, that perfect love, just spill out of our life. That that fruit would grow out of our life, Lord God. Because it's what we're full of. And God, I pray that every other thing that we do, Lord God, as we go through our day and as we, we serve people, Lord God, or as we speak your word or, or as we just do the simple things with our families, Lord God, that it all has impact because of love. 
Because everything we do, we do from a place of selflessness. We do from a place of just giving ourselves for the good of someone else. God, I pray that, that those of us who do struggle with selfishness, who those thoughts do go, ah, what about me? And how am I going to get what I want? And how come nobody ever does anything for me? Lord, that you would help that get weeded out of our life, Lord God, because your love would just take over. I pray that for each person here, the spirit that you have given us is in control, Lord God, that we stay in step with it, that we listen to it, that we don't listen to our flesh, that we don't give our flesh the ability to grow that fruit out of our life, Lord God, but that your spirit is in control. Lord, I pray that we are a church that loves, Lord God. Even if, even if there's nothing else that we do that's impressive, but Lord, that everything we do, whether it's simple, whether it's basic, Lord God, that it is done with great love, Lord God, and that it's impactful because of that, Lord. I pray that for each of us, we begin to observe the fruit in our life, we, we, don't, we don't live on the roller coaster and the waves of emotion, Lord, but we stand firm on trusting that as we give your spirit control, as we stay in step with the living spirit of God that dwells in us, that our lives begin to grow this fruit, that it spills out of our life because it's what we're full of, Lord God, because we have received it. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen.